This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Name Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and we are checking in with you for a mid-summer update. Lots of things have been going on in and around the club at the moment so we wanted to sit down and bring you an update of everything Claret and Blue. I'm away at the moment, so stepping into the hot seat is Tom Whitaker, along with the boys, to cover some of the outstanding updates that we've had from Alan Pace and his board. We're covering shirt sponsor debate, the membership and away tickets reallocation, loyalty scheme has now been overhauled to make it fairer for all fans of all levels. We're looking at the transfer market, incomings, O'Shea and Vigiru, and what's happening with our loanies from last season, Teller, Matson, Taylor Howard, bellis all still up in the air. About Veghorst, is he going to come back to turf more pending a move away? Who knows? We've also had the friendlies announced. We now know who we're going to be meeting pre-season to get us ready for that Premier League campaign. So why don't you grab a cup of tea, sit down and let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Nina Never podcast. Uh, it's been a long, long summer. It seems like an age since we last played. So uh, a longer wait for Premier League games. So we're not complaining too much. But uh, a lot's happened at the turf since that since that uh, trophy lift against Cardiff. So uh, you're joined tonight by myself and uh, and Richard Steele. Evening, Richard. Um, and we're just going to have a little roundup of, uh, of what's been happening on the pitch, off the pitch, transfers. Uh, and some of the some of the big headlines that are coming out, um, and we're going to start really by having a look at some more off the field matters. Um, you you'll be aware of the the fan advisory board that's been set out recently. Um, there's a couple of well, there's three members actually of, of our podcast that sit on the board, and we've managed to get a couple of them. Um, George and Charlotte just to, just to talk to you a little bit about what's been going on, some of the updates that have come out the last couple of meetings. Um, so without further ado, take it away, George and Charlotte. Hello Clarets, George Poole here, regular panellist as you'll well know and chairman of the Clarets Trust. Now I've been asked to provide a short uh, voice recording tonight to go along with the update that I gave from the Clarets Trust social media pages uh, tonight on the evening of Monday the 3rd of July. Now for those of you who haven't seen, it's an eight page published uh, report, uh, reporting back, sorry, 
from the latest meeting of the fan advisory board, which has uh, obviously come in, come under scrutiny uh, somewhat because that because of Burnley Football Club's announcement today of the new loyalty point system, which was devised essentially in collaboration with this fan advisory board, which I am lucky enough to sit on. Now, in this eight-page report, I talk about many things, the membership scheme, the commercial side of the club, including the W80H, front of shirt sponsors, uh, catering and hospitality updates for Turf Moor for the coming season. So, if you want to read that full report from the last Fan Advisory Board meeting, just search for Claret's Trust on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and you'll find our social pages where you can see the report. Uh, but for tonight, I'll just give you a rundown of the loyalty point system and the update that I have to provide from there. So the loyalty points update was a topic that was discussed at length by the fan advisory board in our second meeting a couple of months ago. Now, at the time, these discussions, while very productive, did not give a final decision on what direction to go in as regards to the system. Hence why I was not able to really report back on anything. Um, in case, you know, the club changed their minds or whatnot. But they've obviously given the green light now to go ahead with this change. And I can sit here personally and as a member of the Fan Advisory Board and vouch in favour of the changes that were introduced by Burnley Football Club uh, today. Now, for those of you who have not seen the announcement, the loyalty point system for purchasing away tickets has changed for the first time since the early 2000s. So going forward, loyalty points will only count for five years preceding each season. In other words, it's going to be a rolling five-year loyalty system. And therefore, for the upcoming campaign, loyalty points will have been acquired from the 2018-19 season and beyond. So the loyalty points from before that season will essentially be scrapped from, from the, the club's records. Now, explaining their decision, Burnley Football Club wrote that following fan feedback, the current system was evaluated and it was deemed unfair to younger fans and it also didn't reward fans enough for attending away games now on that latter point the number of points awarded for purchasing a away ticket will rise from 10 to 20 thereby counting as double the number awarded to home tickets which in my eyes is very sensible and something that i've long called for now the first things first with this change to the loyalty point system it's not come just prompted by complaints about the system in the past year this is something that the club has been engaged in discussions and dialogue with fans for a number of number of years. So under the previous ownership, a working group was actually established to talk about this very issue. And they agreed that the old system was discriminatory to young fans and failed to adequately reward fans who travel to away games. Now, with the change of ownership, the working group's recommendation to implement a a rolling system of four, five, six, however many years. That was never followed through, but it has obviously now been revisited in recent months. So discussed by the Fan Advisory Board meeting at our second meeting, I can report that we found a unanimous agreement, essentially, between the Fan Advisory Board in terms of moving towards a five-year rolling system. Now, the reason for moving away from the old system was twofold, you know, with the reward for away travel being undervalued, but the main point was that the old system was discriminatory against younger fans who had little chance of purchasing a ticket for the more sought-after games without, you know, cheating the system and buying through the clarence numbers of family members or friends through which their loyalty would obviously not be rewarded. So taking away tickets out of the equation for just a minute, 
It's 350 points for season ticket holders each season that get awarded for buying your season ticket. So that means to accumulate over 4,000 points, fans were required to have held a season ticket for 12 years. Now, in my mind, and in the mind of many other fans who I've spoken to, the system was as much rewarding age as it was loyalty at that point. You know, to have a system that began randomly in the 2000s and continued uncapped with people, you know, just accumulating points after points after points for the last 20, 20 odd years, that was to give an unfair advantage to those in their specific age bracket and offer younger fans the impossible task of trying to catch up over time, which of course is not going to happen. So you had fans who were sitting pretty with, you know, over 6,000 points who need not attend another game for years before cherry-picking their seats at the most sought-after games like Manchester United, Luton Town and Blackburn Rovers last season. So looking forwards rather than backwards, the consensus amongst the Fan Advisory Board was that a five-year rolling period would provide the best middle ground between offering opportunities to younger fans, but also rewarding the loyalty of regular match-going clarets. You know, the point of the system is it's a loyalty point system. For clarets who were born in, say, 2007, for example, and, say, they began attending games around, you know, 8, 9 or 10 years old, the task of purchasing away tickets has been a very difficult one. Of course, without the opportunity to buy away tickets on a regular basis, the opportunity to then acquire loyalty points is not the same opportunity for younger fans as it is for older fans, creating a positive reinforcement cycle for older fans where they can keep on accumulating their points, but an, a completely opposite negative reinforcement cycle for younger fans who weren't able to buy their tickets, therefore weren't able to accumulate loyalty points, and that gap between the younger fans and the older fans was just continuing to grow. Now, to my mind, and to the mind of the rest of my fellow members of the Fan Advisory Board, a five-year rolling period creates a level playing field. To reward the loyalty of fans who've been attending games most often in recent years and are therefore the most likely to want access to away tickets. But let's face it, right? This new system's been announced with the club saying we've been in talks with the fan advisory board and this is what we've decided on. And they're correct in saying so. But let's face it, no system that was agreed upon or whether it was sticking with the old system, choosing a completely new system, something that wasn't a rolling system, nothing's going to suit everyone. But in the eyes of the Fan Advisory Board and the Burnley Football Club, this was the fairest approach to balance between rewarding loyalty, but not discriminating by age. And to preempt a particular point of criticism that I've already seen popping up on social media, I do think it's important to note the diverse collective that makes up the Fan Advisory Board. Every fan, right, was allowed to apply to this board last summer and give up their time voluntarily. There was then an interview process over the winter after which the club selected the eventual board to bring together a group that brings that uh, sorry that brings together a group that represents many different branches of our fan base whether it be young fans older fans supporters groups ethnic minorities and many more this group consists of over 20 people so at the age of 22 i think i'm the fourth youngest person on the board the majority of whom are aged between 30 and 75 years of age, as far as I'm aware. So I think it's important to note that when discussing the changes to the loyalty system, support for this five-year rolling period was effectively unanimous across the board. It's not the case of younger fans, you know, like me, say, 
seek an assister which benefits them first and foremost. It, would, it was a decision recommended by a diverse group of individuals, all of whom, to my mind, simply just want to volunteer their time to improve the extent of engagement between Burnley FC and supporters. Now, touching on this, I've already, you know, I think it's fair enough that people can criticise on social media and whatnot, but I do think some of it is unjust. You know, from my, talking from my personal point of view, not as the chairman of the Clarence Trust, talking me, George Poole, I will not benefit from this new system because prior to this, I was sitting pretty in the 4,000 point bracket, been to tons of away games between 2010 and 2017, which were helping to, you know, bump up my loyalty, especially 2017-18 season. I went to, I think it was all but two away games as we managed to qualify for Europe, you know, finished seventh, amazing. So this new change to the loyalty system isn't something that I'm thinking, yeah, buzzing, looking forward to it, it's really going to up my chances of getting an away ticket it's really not that it's just that i think this is the fairest route forward and you know what fair enough if you disagree i think there's definitely a debate to be had on this either way as there is with many issues but i just think people you know i think we could all do with remembering that we're all we're all pointing in the same direction we all want the same thing which is the the betterment of Burnley Football Club. And I think, you know, sometimes we just do forget that when sitting behind our keyboard talking to each other on uh, Twitter or whatnot. But yeah, that's my update from the Clarets Trust. Apologies for speaking at length tonight to you. Um, But to read the full eight-page report, you can find it on the Clarets Trust social pages. Um, That's all from me. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll hand you back over to tonight's host. Hello Clarets, I am so ready for the new season to start and to see where Vincent Company's team can take us this year in the Premier League. For now I'm going to have a look at some of the issues off the pitch, those that have been in the Clarets news over the last couple of weeks, especially regarding ticketing, loyalty and membership. These are a couple of things that we have had discussed at the Fan Advisory Board, of which myself, George and Natalie are a part. Um, but obviously, we don't make all of the decisions. The club has a, the final say. We are just there to be a sounding board, really. Um, we're not privy to all knowledge around these um, subjects, but I'm going to give you the best that I can and, and have a look at some of the discussions surrounding the topics. Um, first of all, we're going to have a look at the new membership schemes. So, this seems to be something that is quite popular in the Premier League around Premier League clubs is having members um, of the clubs those are people that don't necessarily hold season tickets um, that may may or may not be newer fans um, and that want to get involved in the club in some way now originally the communication around this subject was not great something that has been acknowledged by the club um that the way it was announced um some of the articles around it some of the the correspondence back and forth from the club itself wasn't very clear which did make things a little bit difficult um that did make things a little bit more inflammatory around um the membership scheme the main membership i think that we'd look at i mean there's a couple going on there and most of them seem to be no problems with um but the main membership is that which is the premium membership which would be um the 250 pound membership this one seemed to be getting the most um flack on twitter and, and the social media mainly because of the impact it has on away ticketing um originally seemed that it was announced that they would have um priority overseas and ticket holders for away ticketing then it was oh no they won't and then again it looked like 
yes they will so having cleared this up a little bit it seems that up to five percent of the away tickets will be available to premium members before season ticket holders um for away games now the way the club have kind of justified this is that these memberships are mainly for those um fans which are not maybe as close um location wise to the club um that maybe are expatriates that live further away that don't see the need to pay for a season ticket if they're not going to be able to attend these home games but really wanted access to be able to attend a few home and away games throughout the season this gave them the opportunity to purchase up to four home tickets for the home fixtures um, per membership and then the um, away tickets as well up to the whole of the premium members got up to five percent of the away tickets now this is up to five percent of the away tickets um from what i can gather and it may be less depending on how many are available in the fixture but it will be a small portion of away tickets prior to season ticket holders now personally this is something i felt quite strongly about i also believe that the season ticket holders are the people that are putting away more than £250 in a season um, and that should really um, have priority over anybody else with regards to away tickets. So I can see where the frustrations come in um, from this area but I can also see what the club means with regards to having that kind of membership available to people who aren't able to attend home matches um, as often and would like to experience some of the away tickets away matches also gives them chance to build up some loyalty points something that we will discuss a little bit later on um which means that they may then have chance to purchase um home and away tickets after becoming a season ticket holder if they're able to and um, we know we've sold a lot of season tickets this for this upcoming season and there is a very small proportion of what we call walk-on tickets available um so it is a way to to allow people to get into the games and get onto the games which may not necessarily have the chance um like i said it's not something that um personally seem massively important to me but when the club has described who it's um for i can see the the need for it as well um we can see that it is very frustrating for those of us who are season ticket holders but looking at the percentage of of tickets that they are actually going to be able to access it doesn't seem like it'll make a huge difference obviously the away tickets was a huge um bone of contention last season they were very very popular the away games um some of the allocations aren't as large we're hoping that once now we're in the premier league that we'll, there'll be better allocations um, and that some of the games won't be as popular i imagine because a lot of people may have done the stadiums prior and um, with us spending a long time in the premier league and i can see that it may not make as big a difference but yeah i do share a lot of people's frustrations on that aspect um but we move and obviously there has to be something available for for everybody really the next point we're going to look at is is pretty hot new is hot off the press it's the loyalty point system um now we are all aware of the loyalty point system over the last few years and how it's worked out um, and that 
particularly over the last season there was a lot of grumbling about it um that it may favor certain fans over others that there wasn't a fair way um really with the current loyalty system um for people to be getting tickets and to be building up their loyalty points really so it's something that's definitely needed to change um and the club have made the change to it now no change is going to be perfect for everybody and that's something that we're definitely going to have to look into here some people will be gutted about the change to the loyalty point system and because the old one worked in their favors to give you a bit of um context on it my loyalty points prior to the new system i was well over nine thousand points i had no problems really with getting tickets if i wanted to um so this isn't my views on this isn't skewed by me wanting to get more loyalty points and things like that i i had enough on the old system and my family had enough on the old system but i can certainly see how it wasn't fair really to just award long-standing loyalty and not allow um what we'd see as newer younger fans to prove their loyalty to the club too because just because you've been going on the club for on the games for less time it doesn't mean you're less of a loyal fan now you know um younger fans needed to have something that worked for them as well um and that's important to to take into consideration now um it looks like it was definitely the the old system was slightly more um tailored towards older fans that will have had longer to build up um their loyalty points throughout and obviously um the longer to accumulate those loyalty points with regards to having season tickets and not necessarily going to all the away games um you didn't need to if you had a season ticket for for a number of years you didn't need to go to away games to pick up those loyalty points um you could definitely pick and choose the games you were going to but it gives now with this new loyalty system it gives it looks at the people that have been the most loyal over the period of time so what they're going to look at is a rolling five-year loyalty point basis so the previous five years and um, the loyalty points you've built over that time would be taken into account now obviously the loyalty points needed to purchase away tickets will be reduced in line with this so they'll have a look at how many on average um people have how many points on average people have and, and banned it like they have done but it won't be i imagine the six thousand four thousand two thousand because there won't be many people that are up into those um figures um so it will be changed for the away tickets now we don't know the definite numbers and i imagine it may be a game by game basis depending on how many tickets we have available they may be able to make larger or bigger bands for each game um it's once with it being a rolling five-year scheme once we get into next season the um earliest year will be discounted again and then it'll be a rolling scheme um it works really at looking people who are the most loyal currently um and it kind of makes it a bit more fair across the board i imagine um there will be people that unfortunately may have um been to less away games or less home games over the last couple of years and built up their points on the years before that but no change was going to please everybody i know myself i went to university in one of the years um five previous to this so i'll have less points on my my loyalty car from there but from my perspective i can see it working the best for most people um that is really the main news around those two aspects um and we can see how it's gonna carry on going forward i guess it's a trial and error basis and like we say nothing will please everybody but i'm hoping that 
um, with regards to the loyalty points and also begrudgingly with regards to the membership that it will work out well for everybody and there won't be too many hiccups um and yeah as i said really looking forward to getting back to the football my summer's been well it's not even all the way in summer yet is it but the last few months have been slightly more boring so i need to get back out there onto the turf and see how um what it's going to be like supporting vincent company's claret in the premier league up the clarets some good to hear from them and uh and i think it's important for for ourselves the, the us mere mortals that, that aren't on the fan advisory board just to to have a look at some of these issues as well um so uh, i think perhaps we'll start with the shirt sponsor um and then we'll move on to some of the some of the more pressing matters richard but just first of all um just looking at the shirt sponsor there was a bit of talk from the club i think alan pace made reference to kind of wanting to look at maybe moving away from having a gambling sponsor on the front of the shirt. Um, but obviously it's been announced that we have got a gambling sponsor now for, for the next couple of seasons at least. What's your what's your feelings on it? Are you one of these that's quite passionate about it or happy just to take the money? By the way, how is George on that board? <laughs> the most emotional, the most unemotionally stable person on our podcast is on a fan board. He's done all right there, hasn't he, George? I don't hey. know how he's the time, George. He's got his fingers in a lot of pies. Oh no, no, good on him. I'm only joking, by the way. George, George is great, but um, it's just interesting, Tom, isn't it? Obviously, like I know people be listening uh, on a podcast. Tom asked me that question. He's got a signed shirt in, well, a shirt in the background with Fun Eight Eight uh, Casino on the back of it from you know from a few years ago, which always reminds me of Dean Marnie. Um, that that one personally, but I, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Um, I know I think you're more passionate, uh, you know, about it than me. Um, Tom, as in uh, against it, I'm kind of, is a shirt sponsor really going to make people gamble more? That's And that's the question, isn't it? That is, that, that's the golden question. Will it make people gamble more? Will, will it not? Um, so for my, in my opinion, I don't think it will. But I can't say, obviously, there's not if these gambling companies didn't put the 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 business on on the shirt then then uh or sorry or if if they didn't feel it had any impact then they wouldn't do it so it obviously does do it it obviously does doesn't it I made the reference to you and I know it is slightly different and not every situation's a change because it's not my if somebody put Greg's sausage roll on the front of our shirt it wouldn't make me go and buy one anyway it might make some people but it wouldn't make me so and I think the harsh reality is of football nowadays you've got to go where the money is I, I I don't know the exact figures I think it'd be really interesting if you did know the exact figures how much more it is but I I imagine for Burnley to go down that route after last season and the positive impact that the classic football shirts had I imagine it's a significant amount more um, to have the sponsorship money and but at the same time I, I can understand why people have a have issues with you know gambling's you know a you know really dangerous dangerous addiction. I think the difference with gambling and other and other addictions is that you you can just do it so easily. Um, you know you can literally do it at a press of a button or on your phone. You don't even need to you know to leave the house and you know when you can lose everything with it really. So I understand the the negative implications of it, but I think from a financial point of view, if could that be the difference between Burnley signing a player or not? Who knows? It's a really difficult one, isn't it, Tom? It is very difficult. Yeah, I think 
I can certainly see it from the club's point of view. I, I think, like you say, at the end of the day, it's come down to the money. And, and from what we've been told, it's I think it's quite a significant amount more than we would get with a non-gambling sponsor, um, which is obviously, that's the logic. I think the disappointing thing for me is the fact that they have made these noises in the past about, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to review that. We're looking to move away from that. Last season, they had a sponsor, Classic Football Shirts, that was a popular one. You know, it was it, it added something to the design of the shirt, I think, as well, having them on. And and it brought something a little bit more, you know, it had a, it had a little bit of a cachet with it that you're not going to get from an Asian gambling firm. Um, and I, I would have, I, it's, I mean, it's probably naive to think, but it would be nice to think that that we could be a club that, that just says, you know what, for the sake of a few million quid, we're going to take, the, the high ground on this, you know, they're moving to 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 ban the front of shirt gambling sponsorship in the next couple of seasons. Anyway, be nice if if we had just come out and said, do you know what? It's a social ill. There's been an interview today with the head of NHS England talking about how um, gambling addiction is on the rise and and asking Premier League clubs there to look at what they're doing with these sponsorships. And it would have been nice if we could have took a stand and said, look, you know, for the sake of a few million quid we're going to turn this down and we're going to, we're going to accept a lower sponsorship. And that would have been something that you could have been proud of, I think, as a fan. But, you know, they've, they've chosen to go with the money and, uh, it's, you know, it's not a decision that's completely baseless and completely meritless. So while I can understand why people would be disappointed as well, I can understand why the club's done what they've done. And I think hopefully it's something that, because the, the difficulty that you have, of course, if you do take that moral stance and put your head above the parapet is, Every other club's taking the money, and then all that, all that happens is, is you get left behind. So, really, I guess the the best long term solution would be to ban it for all clubs, and and obviously they're, they're starting to make moves in that direction. So, hopefully, we get a bit further down the line. I just think it so would be interesting. Uh, obviously, they banned alcohol from the front of shirts. Now, has that made any difference to anybody's life? It that's the thing with me. I, I think that's the difference, isn't it? Is what difference does it make on a on, on a person to pace person basis? Like, say if you did a survey and asked the fans who go watching Burnley, have you gambled more because we've got I can't remember the name of the company. We've got this company on the name of the front of front of the shirt. If they said, oh yes, I would it make any difference? And I think that's the that, that's the interesting point, isn't it? Does it? How much does it make a difference? Um, I'll put a question on on you then, Tom. Will you buy the sh- will you not buy will will you buy the shirt? Will that make an impact in your decision buying the shirt? Uh I probably won't buy the shirt, but I, to be honest, the last time I bought them was about ten years ago. I don't Yeah, so anyway, so yeah. No, that's the, you know, it's a sky bet championship, isn't it? You know, do you, do you not if you're really against gambling and that do you not go watching the games because of that uh, it's a real, it's a real like it's a real difficult one, you know. I'm not going to ask you if if you bet or if you don't don't bet on football, but um, like for me, you know, I put like maybe a five or ten of on a, a week, and that's it, you know. And I'm I'm very sensible about it, but then I know like you know people who who really do struggle with it. So I'm kind of. 50-50 with it because my I'm 50-50 on it because I don't think it'll make a difference. Maybe I'm naive to that and I'd love I'd love to see if there was some kind of survey or statistic or statistics out there that would show whether there's a correlation between Burnley fans or football fans their gambling tendencies or their gambling rate increasing due to football sponsorship 
in and in and around the stadium or on the shirt and whatnot. I think it's I think it's more dangerous where it's like you see Ray Winston coming on the telly at half time of a game where it's like right, Kevin De Bruyne to have a shot on target has now been the odds have been reduced and, and whatnot. I think that's more dangerous. So yeah. So do you think that's, you know, it's creating this culture of linking football and betting that I think mm, what you really about, for me it does sum it up it's like they, they wouldn't spend millions of pounds on these things if, if it didn't make a difference surely so yeah, I do think there must be some impact but then like you say maybe it's I, I won't pretend to know too much about it and perhaps if you did survey and, and go into it a bit more and perhaps that's something for the clubs to think about as well you know to survey the, they do send a lot of stuff out to fans and annual surveys and things like that. So maybe it will be uh, something worth uh, including on one of those questionnaires. And maybe it will be discussed at the next uh, the next FAM advisory board meeting as well. Yeah. But uh, after discussing that one, we'll move on to a, a topic that's probably even more controversial, I would say, in the fan base. Um, and that's the loyalty points um, and the UA membership schemes that have come, come out this summer. So uh, I'll probably start by sort of laying my cards on the table, as it were, I, I've got about 11,000 loyalty points. Um, so it, it does affect me in the sense that I could, I, up till this season, I could have got away tickets for any game I wanted without really any issues. Um, so I'll, I'll lay out what it is first, of course. So the away loyalty points are, are going to be reduced to, they'll only last for five years. So at, at rolling five years for your loyalty points and after that they drop off. So it brings to an end this thing we've had for the last few years where you're seeing tickets from like early 2000s account towards your loyalty points total. Um, and of course, the away membership, I'm sure everyone's aware of it by now, it's been discussed. But basically, uh, 5% of the away tickets have been ring-fenced. If you put up 400 odd quid, which I think is about the price of a season ticket, then you get access to these 5% of ring-fenced away tickets. So I think in essence what the club are trying to do is is move away from the sort of situation we've had in the last few years where away tickets can be a bit of a closed shop. Um, it's the same people that have got access to it. Um, and obviously if they always buy them, then it, it does stop other people getting the chance. Um, what, where are you with it, Richard? What, what are your thoughts on it? I'm I'm probably similar to you, Tom. I'm not, I've got about 8,000 loyalty points, so not quite as much as you, but pretty much give me a, a, a access to any game that I wanted. But I think at the same time, I think the loyalty point system was archaic. I think it definitely benefited fans who's just had season tickets for many, many years and maybe went to less away games than possibly, you know, younger fans who's gone to many away games over the last, three, you know, one to five year, you know, to five, uh, five year period. So I can see a lot of logic in it. Uh, maybe they could have done it on a little bit longer than five years. I know Dave Roberts did a really good tweet. If you want to look, if any Burnley fans want to look at that tweet, um, about maybe like a a ten year loyalty point scheme. So it's a little bit of a longer period. Um, but to to be honest, Tom, I think definitely yes, you know yourself. I kind of took a you know through different reasons. I probably went to five or six away games next year, just you know, different life stages, you know, kind of get it, you know, got married last year and, and, you know, and other priorities do take over a little bit with football. So, and, and I'll probably be looking at similar, similar this year, to be honest. Um, So it is, it, it is what it is for me. I think there'll be a lot of people out there who will not like it, but I think that's the same in society. If, if, if there's a new rule change and it doesn't perfectly suit you, people kick off and they don't look at it from other people's point of view. So it's something that, 
I think they need changing. I, I think overall it's it's quite a good idea actually. Um, the only thing I would like to see, I'd I'd quite like to see maybe points given for like further away games, or or, or, or you know another system. So like for example Norwich on a Saturday at half twelve kickoff like it was last season. I think you should get more loyalty points and go into Wigan away, but there's five thousand tickets and it's what half you know forty minutes down the road. I think that's something that could be introduced. Because, you know, for example, like for me next year, maybe this is because we, we have been in the Prem before, like games away at Old Trafford and City and Liverpool, they don't actually interest me as much as like going to Fulham away. Like I've only been to Fulham away once and that was a Tuesday night, so I'd like to go to that again. Um, or I want to go to Palace away next season. So if I'm being honest, I, I don't think it's going to make a massive impact on me. And do you know what? If I miss out a little bit on getting a game, and somebody else gets to go who's kind of has been more than me over the last three or four years and has sacrificed more time and more money, then you know what? Good luck to them. At the end of the day, like if a 22-year-old young fan, you know, a boy or a girl wants to go watching the game, you know, they've, they've got probably less on than me. So good luck to them. Do you get one coming from with that? I'm a, yeah. Um, yeah I, I don't agree with that membership. I get it. I'm similar to you. Obviously, Burnley's, and, and this is the... This is the side of football that I'm falling out of with a little bit is that the money side and how much it's driven by money. And obviously, for us just to compete anymore, you know, you do need to drive money in different ways. So I, I understand why they're doing the membership, but I think it's really tailored to a specific type of fan. And I don't really like that. But again, I do understand it. Um you know, it's a little bit like football this summer when you see the money that's been spent on this Saudi league. It, it makes you shiver, doesn't it? A little bit when you see a player go. It kind of just it just it's taking a chip out of me a little bit this summer when I've seen it. So overall, I I personally think it's a it's, it's a good system. I thought Dave Roberts did a good tweet. I think it maybe should should have been done over ten years. So you, you've you've still got because there's still a lot of you know. There'll be a lot of fans who's been watching but ad season tickets for for Burnley since the eighties when they was you know really struggling. Who should be rewarded for their loyalty too? So maybe a ten year period would have been an ideal time. But again, I fully understand it. And listen, there'll be plenty of games for people to go to next 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 year, won't they? And it is what it is. At at, at times, you maybe just got to uh, stop being selfish and, and and look at it from other points of view. Yeah, I feel the same way as you. I think I do think um, you can't really have a situation where they're stacking for like twenty plus years and and they can never be overridden because young lads who are you know who want to go, there'd be there'd be people who've had team tickets for like ten years who just haven't been able to get enough, you know, away loyalty points. And I think it is only right that you you give a chance, especially to younger fans, because you do have to think about the long term and that mm, kind of thing. You know how many how many fans do you turn away if if they can't get away tickets essentially? So, yeah, I, I'm with you. Even though it does kind of obviously affects me in the negative to an extent. I mean, I do go to a lot of away games, so hopefully I'll be I'll be in with a chance next season. I think it's an interesting point you make about next season the um the away trips kind of being back to what they were, um especially the last couple of years in the Prem when we were rubbish. How many away games did we sell out? You know, we were taking the low allocations. There was loads of games. I mean, where you know you could have easily got a, a, a ticket away general sale. Um, and I do wonder if it'll be because last season it was a lot of like there was some new grounds for everybody. The novelty of going to places we haven't been for a few years, whereas and winning every week, yeah, winning That'll as well. Stop. 
Whereas next year, I'm thinking, oh, can I really be bothered to, to see the annual 5-0 thrashing at the Etihad? Do you think Man United look half decent now? So we probably won't get anything at Old Trafford. You know, uh, Anfield, we don't... Well, I think we were obviously won, once there in the COVID season, but that's the only time I can ever remember is winning there. Ditto for Arsenal. So... Yeah, the, the then you start it, it just it, it just starts to feel like a bit of a slog again. Maybe some of these away trips and going a long way for a little reward. So maybe that will do something just to to balance things out as well. So that's that's a really good point actually that you've raised that I haven't seen anyone else raise. I think with regards to the to the years, um, five just feel a little bit arbitrary. But I think the, the trouble with whatever cut off you do is someone going to win. You know, it's yeah. like the people think about how it affects them first and foremost. So. If, if you make it 10 years, there'll be someone going, well, I've been going for 20, but I haven't been on as much the last 10, where, you know. So it, I, I think at some point it has to be rolling in. And they've, they've said five. And I'm sure there'll be scope to say if it's not working, if if people, if a lot of people do feel it's unfair, I'm sure it can be revisited next season and pushed forward or back a little bit. But I don't think five is unreasonable. So, yeah, for myself, I'm sure probably quite a controversial view for a lot of our listeners, but... I'm in agreement with you. I think it's probably broadly it's a good thing. Uh, with regards to the the membership scheme as well, um, I think the comms from from the club was just really poor. I think if it had been it didn't put make another, sense, did it? It didn't make no, sense really at all. It, the first release that they put out, I was thinking, it, do I need to buy this as a season ticket holder? That wasn't clarified. And then they put another one out a few days later that was with a bit more clarity and, and a few FAQs and things in there. And still I'm looking at that thinking, well, how does it work for the away tickets? Like, are they before season ticket holders? Are they after? You know, and and then did they, they did eventually clarify that as well. But it took a lot of updates. And I think really if it had been billed as, if they just, because when it was explained to me like this, I thought, oh, okay, that's fair enough. So they've sold out other season tickets. They're not selling anymore, right? So obviously you need a season ticket holder to be, priority for away tickets so what it is is just the way you know if you're willing to spend to make that level of investment honestly you know the same kind of financial commitment as you would do for a season ticket and we can ring fence a few away tickets for you that's all it is and it's just an opportunity for people who aren't season ticket holders to maybe get to some away games because there aren't going to be many opportunities for them and i think if it had been sold like that and just put in that way then season ticket holders wouldn't have felt as impacted and I think that's probably why it rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way as well is because it felt like well you know it's a lot of games are going to be in demand next season and that's yeah. paying to get ahead of me when I might not get a ticket yeah I, I just think that there could have just been some it, it just seemed to me like a little bit of an elitist mentality which isn't my cup of tea really um, I think if there was some added benefits to it say if you bought your membership and, and you got put in that 5% bracket but then you got like 15% off a home ticket, say if he wasn't a season ticket holder, or, or, or for example, if you got like half price on the new shirt, or you got, say, if you went to Turf Mall, like you got a free drink and a and a pie or whatever. Do you know something that was like, you know, we're, you know, we're not just doing this purely for money? That's what it come across to me. Like we're respecting your fan base. We're respecting you doing this membership. You're going to get some added benefits in and around it. Like if you show your card, uh, your membership card, like I said, you know, you get a free pie or whatnot, and then you scan it, and that's and that's you, or you get a free program. Do you know? Do you know just something like that, or ten percent off our merchandise? I mean, they, they could have added a little bit more value to it. Just one thing I am going to take off again, going just looking at that shirt you've got behind. Again, I don't know what season that's from, Tom. You'll have to remind me. Um, 
But, you know, going back 10 years, we'd have never needed the demand for memberships or changing loyalty points or waiting lists on season tickets. So in such a short period of time, it's shown, it, it showed how much the club's grown. And I really, so that's another benefit of it is that, you know, you hear about Liverpool and City, and maybe, well, maybe not City, and United and whatnot, having these waiting lists. And I think, yeah, it, it's frustrating. There's people going to be missing out, but it just shows that the club's growing and we are getting a bigger fan base and a younger fan base that's coming through as well. Because let's be honest, if we were still struggling finishing 17th, 18th in the Championship, <laughs> none, of, none of this would be an issue, wouldn't it? So I suppose at times you become victims of your own success a little bit. So, yeah, I think every, if maybe people can look at that as a positive. Um, but yeah, the only thing that's come out of it that I think they could have done better in terms of the comms, or you could have got a little bit more, is that is is that membership? Yeah, yeah. I think the only problem is if if you offer like a free eye or whatever, a free program for a membership holder, then the season tickets holders turn around and say, "Well, where's my free program? I'm putting the same amount." Yeah, I get what you mean. Well, I know, I know, but that's what we're coming from. You can never win, can you? With stuff like this, you know the. You know, the um, club's trying new things and they're still a very new board, you yeah. know, in terms of football and they'll learn and they'll make mistakes and, you know, at least to try a new things. You know, under the last board, it was so stagnant, you know, it was stale as gone off mill, wasn't it? So at least new things are happening and they're, and, they're, and they're trying different ways of engaging fans and different methods of ticketing. I think going back to what Alan Pace said about the, about the gambling, I think if he could turn back the clock, he wouldn't have said something like that because he was probably naive to the actual finances that going that are around in, in football. I think if he looks back at maybe the initial interviews, he might have been a little bit less giddy and a little bit more con contained and reserved. But I suppose when you say comments like that, the genie's out of the bottle. And I think he'll be as conflicted as anybody having to take on that gambling, if I'm being honest. So I know that's going back to a, a point, but it but it's but it's difficult when you've got I don't know how many thousand people who who follow and support Burnley, who support a club. It's going to be difficult to please everybody, isn't it? So, yeah, I think that sums sums it up really with all these things. It's it, you can't win, and it's and like you yeah. say, we're quite pretty unprecedented situation to have sold out of season ticket holders and, and you know waiting lists and be selling out every every away game and things like that. So probably probably fair to say as well, fair play to them for. For being sort of, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, proactive and looking yeah. for these kind of ticket, uh, ticketing issues before it become a, a problem further down the line. Because if mm. it was a case where you could only get an away ticket if you're a season ticket holder and you had no chance of, you know, of, of getting any away tickets with a certain amount of loyalty points, then it is you're going to get as many people annoyed as they are by these changes. So, yeah, I think I think we do deserve some credit for it, and and hopefully. With that fan advisory board being in place now, we can see how it goes over the season. We can see what the demand's like. We can see what the ticket sales are like. And, and if it does need tweaking, then hopefully they'll be receptive to that as well. But overall, I'm with you. I think it's I think it's positive steps and um, and probably a bit more of a, a modern approach as well. Mm, yeah. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right, so, so moving on then to some more uh, football-related topics. Um, have a look at uh, sort of the, in- the incomings and the outgoings and, and probably touching as well on on some of the players that we might have expected to 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 have come in that, that haven't by now. Mm. But we'll start with the ones who were definitely through the door. So we know Bayer and Obafemi obviously were signed permanently at the end of their loan deals. Um and we've brought in since uh, Lawrence Biggery on a free from Lake Norin and Dara O'Shea for seven million pounds from West Brom. Uh what are you thinking about those transfers, Rich? Firstly the the players themselves and then what that maybe says about what Companies looking to do with some of the players who are still here and 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 mm. how the team's going to look next season. Yeah, I think obviously Bayer was signed pretty much straight away once we went up. I think out of all the loan players um, who we had last season, he was the one who um like we we kept the most. It looks increasingly likely that none of the rest are returning, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Obafemi, uh, we'll we shall see. I thought it was a bit of a pointless signing at, at the time, and I still think now. But we shall see how he goes. Obviously, he's got a, a, a ability and he's not really played much. And I can't see him playing much next year, if I'm being completely honest. But he didn't cost too much. So we, we, we'll see how he goes, uh, Michael. Listen, obviously, Vigory will probably come in as third-choice goalie, won't he? That's another, I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss, is the goalkeeper situation. Because uh, that's looking increasingly likely that Newbridge probably isn't going to be number one. And I think... O'Shea, when I initially seen the news, you know, when you initially see it coming through on your phone, you see Dar O'Shea's having the medical, it's a little bit underwhelming. Well, that's, that's what my initial naivete was. But the more I've read up on him um, and the more you hear what West Brom fans have said, I think it's always a real take when you when you read the opposition view. And obviously, they're very disappointed that he's going. He's obviously a leader, somebody who's very physical. Um, and I think it'll slot into our centre-half group really well. And then obviously from Twitter today, it seems like we're signing Kulabali from Dortmund, who, listen, we obviously know absolutely nothing about. The only clip I've seen of him is missing the ball and Stuttgart scoring. But I'm not going to listen. You you don't judge him on that. And I think if somebody's, even though it's albeit limited appearances, I think if somebody's playing for Dortmund, they were one of the top clubs in Europe, you know, he's, he's going to be a good player, isn't he? And I think what it, there's two things that it shows to me is that he's got O'Shea in, and he's got Koulibaly, he wants more physicality in the team. And I know he alluded to that in that fantastic interview with the overlap. If anybody's not listened to that with Gary Neville, give it a listen. It's it's really good. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's possibly going to look at a change in shape to maybe three at the back. Because I think McNally's going to go. I think that's obvious. But now he's got five players who can ultimately, I imagine, will be in and around contention who, who play centre-half. So, yeah, maybe a five at the back. I mentioned on our WhatsApp group, maybe a little bit of a more outlandish suggestion about possibly Bayer maybe doing that, like kind of like that John Stones role and maybe playing in midfield a little bit more. I know Roberts did that last season, but obviously slightly different how John Stones did it. So 
listen, that's an outlandish shout, and it probably won't happen. And it's more an indication that he may play free centre back, free centre half, so he may look to do that. Um, but then to counteract that, it's been a little bit slower than I thought. I thought we would have had a couple more attacking players in by now. Um, Tom, you're more patient than me. Um, my patience isn't wearing thin, but I'm a little bit more concerned than I was, say, um, a month ago. It seems like we're doing the old games of low-balling teams a little bit, which can get frustrating. It's not that we're not signed anyone. It's these low-balling bids, and it, I think it annoys other teams, doesn't it? So, listen, there's still a long way to go to the start of the season. Um, obviously, players are all just coming back into into pre-season and back up holidays and, and whatnot. So there's still a long time to go. But yeah, I think we do obviously need to start getting some attacking players through the door and the left back because we've got Taylor in the squad at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think what you said about the centre-halves, uh, physicality is the word that sums it up for me. I think that's why he's looking to bring these, these players in. One thing that I did wonder, um, we, like you said, I, I can't see McNally being in next season. I did wonder if uh, with Aldekiel being quite young and, and he's probably still a little bit maybe physically underdeveloped, say, compared to some of them, I did wonder if maybe he, he might get a loan somewhere as well just for a year. Um, but then he's got two Belgium caps now, so maybe they're thinking... Yeah, I, I don't think he will. I think he's someone they really like, yeah, so... Yeah, I don't mean uh, loan with a view to sell, but just maybe yeah, he's yeah. further down the packing order, but... So that's a possibility, but yeah, I think probably that's the reason these two centre halves, well, obviously O'Shea and, and maybe Kilo Valley have been brought in, is is for the physicality as much as anything else. Um, and I agree with you as well in terms of the keepers we're being linked with a lot, aren't we? So you'd think Murich would be second choice next season, probably Peacock, mm. Farrell goes, and and Vigor is third choice. I would have thought. Um, yeah, and then when you look at the sort of attackers, I did want to touch on, um, yeah, probably like you said, left back and an attacker, and and look at. As we, as you mentioned earlier, that the loanees, because I think probably at the end of last season we were all thinking, well, these loanees will just get them all back; they'll all come back, yeah. bang, bang, bang. And obviously Bayer was straight through the door, and I didn't really anticipate waiting this long for Teller. To be honest, I thought, well, Teller, you know, Southampton have gone down. Uh, we're hearing that the fee that Southampton want is fifteen million. Yeah, which and seems that... to me just pay it, isn't it? It's not that mm. much really. Like yeah. you look at. If you look at the cost of players now and you know he'd do a job for us, you know, there's still parts of Teller which are very raw. But I think you found his position was playing behind the striker rather than out wide, wasn't it? Running running in behind. You think it's and also with Teller, he works so hard off the ball, which you're gonna do more of in the Prem. It seems a no brainer to me. That that's one thing I can't I'm still struggling to get my head around really. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I don't understand why that. I mean, if that is the fee, I mean, it could be more, and and that's why. The only thing that I could I could think that it wouldn't get done would be the fee because surely he wants to come here. You think yeah. playing a high league, it's his best mates here, isn't he? Have a Femi, and uh, yeah, uh, that that worries me a bit that that's not got done. That there's all these um, links to this guy, Millwall, Fleming. They had a good season last season, but I don't know if he's necessarily one of the players that you saw last season and thought, oh, he'll. He'll do a job no. in the Prem. He'll step up, and the fact, like you say, we've had four bids rejected for him. It's like, why are we messing about with this? Either pay them what they want if you want him in, or move on. And that, and like you say, it does very much smack of Mike Garlic making making eight bids for Dale Stevens, all of which mm. get rejected. It's it's a bit of an odd way to go about go about the business. So I'm a little bit worried by that. And uh, Teller is the one that concerns me most. I thought we'd get him in, and and I'd like us to, to get him in. 
Um, you mentioned left back. What about Matson? Because I think one thing that worries me a bit about left back as well is we've heard twenty million quoted for Matson, which I think mm. is probably a little bit much. And I can That's understand money, yeah. you that, yeah. But then we have we hear so many links. We get linked with this, that, and the other player. But I haven't heard any linked with any of the left backs. What What are you thinking about that? Yeah, it's a really interesting one with Matson. I really like Matson. I thought he got a lot better. I think in the Prem, he'd, he'd be more suited to a wing back. So maybe you're talking about, about the three at three at the back. I think he'd be ideally suited. Do you know the other thing I'm thinking about? Will company do similar to what Guardiola did and kind of do you know when he's playing his centre halves across the back four? Do you know, like Ake shifted to left back. Um, so like, is one of them centre halves we signed left footed? I'm not great at stuff like that. No, or, sure. or yeah, so like, so like, will one of them be able just to naturally slip into? you know, that left-back slot a little bit more at times and is that thinking, but you still need a bit more cover there, don't you? I think the interesting thing is it, it, it's one of them where you, you kind of, you link with all these players and then O'Shea signed from nowhere and then we had that Koulibaly link weeks ago and then he thought, I just forgot about him. You think, well, that's not happening. We signed O'Shea and then all of a sudden he's, he's signed. Oh, it seems like he's inevitably signing. So, it's one of them, like, I'm sure things are rumbling away in the background. Um, I'll probably pronounce his name wrong, but obviously there was a link with Rancic last week, who sounds a very promising lone player from Belgium. Um, obviously, you got Trezor, who who I think out of all the players' links and what I've read up on, he seems the most exciting. You've got the, I can't say his name, the, the Georgian lad from, from Mets, who, who's linked with, again, they're unknown players, aren't they? A little bit, and... I think the issue is because we're trying to fill so many holes because of the loan players leaving, is that you can't just go and say, do you know what, we'll pay a little bit over the, not over the odds, but we'll just pay what they want to get him because we want him in. We've got to try and be a little bit more strategic. So, like, for me, the Koulibaly deal quite makes good sense. It says it's a mandatory buy, which is quite an unusual. It's normally an option to buy or an obligation. So, there's mandatory mean, say, if we stay up, we then pay the money, which is, like, fine. Okay, we'll probably have a little bit more money next summer. So we're not going to be paying much on him. We'll probably be paying a loan fee. So that that's a sorted with, with centre-halves. And that just goes back to the point now where if you're worried about the odd million here, there and everywhere, 15 million for a player, you know he's going to play well, going to be great in the dressing room, going to work his absolute socks off. It just seems daft not to pay it for me. And the longer we don't pay it and we're bidding for players like Fleming, makes me seem like we're not going to get him. So um, Clark's a player who I really like. As soon as I watched that Jack Clark, even in I remember watching uh, the League One playoff with Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland. You know, obviously not this year. Before people say Sunderland was in league was in the championship. So back obviously like a couple of seasons ago, I've, I thought he was an excellent player. So he's somebody who I'd come in and I'd, and I'd really like us to sign. But again, with the money that's been banded about, it's kind of. Seems un, un, unusual, doesn't it? But it, it just seems like we've got bids in for so many players. We'll have bids in for players who we don't even know and and all of a sudden one could be accepted. So, yeah, we shall see. Patience is a virtue, I think, with transfers, isn't it? Um, and I think now we're, as Dyche would say, we're not market leaders anymore. <laughs> um, so we have probably got to be a little bit more patient. And um, I know that's what it is. And listen, I think Lukonga seems one that could happen. Doesn't it? I think he'd be a really good signing in midfield. Obviously, good player, strong, physical. No, no uh, company knows him, so I think would suit us. But I think the worry is, it's just we've got so many positions to fill, and the, the you know each day the clock does tick down a little bit, doesn't it? But 
Listen, there's not a lot of money being spent, though, is there, Tom, really, in the Prem other than the big teams? No, so, that's right. And there's still five weeks, you forget, as well, exactly. until the first game. So, you, you know, you last season, it seemed like we were signing a new player every day. So, that we Even if you look at that Uddersfield game compared to the team we finished with, it was completely mm-hmm. different, wasn't it? So, it's not just, you know, you got to think, you know, you got nearly two months left of the window, so... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not not too worried yet, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Um, just one one other lone player that we didn't mention there that uh, does not like he's coming back, and we've spoke about fifteen million pound. Just pay it, Taylor Harwood Bellis. That's the reported fee for him. What what's your thoughts on on us uh, seemingly not looking at? Well, we're not him? going to sign him now, are we? I think that's blatantly obvious. Um, after the you know, unless unless Dice Company pulls out another centre half, but I'd be very surprised. Him for me, I'd have signed him instead of O'Shea. Because I think he's got a far bigger ceiling than O'Shea. Um, you know, I know maybe oh, there's not much difference in him now, but you look how good Arwood Bellis is. He's such a lead, and I think he'll play for England. I'm kind of thinking, but again, it's a difficult one. You know, it seems like we're trying to play transfer chess. If kind of we paid seven, eight million for O'Shea, and Harwood Bellis is going to be fifteen million, that you know that that's could. Are we then going to use that over seven or eight million to sign a striker and an attacker? So it seems like we're trying to play, you know, put our chips in different places a little bit rather than just going all in. But I think the thing is with Harwood Bellis, you put 15 million on the table, you get him, and he's a player who could be he'll be worth double that in a season. That's that's my only take on it, a little bit. So he's somebody who I would have liked to have brought back, but it's looking increasingly unlikely now. Um so yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think if if we had the money and it was there, then it's a no-brainer. I think maybe just two things. I think probably one is centre half isn't a priority position, especially with these two coming in for less than fifteen million between them. Um, and then the other thing is again the physicality question. I don't know if he necessarily helps us with that. I think he probably was. I'm most not, yeah yeah that season, but yeah, perhaps it's perhaps you've got too many young lads if you have all yeah. of them. So maybe company just felt, do you know what? At the end of the last season, we didn't really need him, and you know, prior, like you said, he, he's got O'Shea and now Kula Bali. And um, to be honest, I don't think Kula Bali will. It's, it's, I don't think he'll be like even third or fourth choice. Me personally, I don't know. I might be completely wrong. I think it's more the. I think he's more one for the future, isn't he? With this buy clause, so is 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 one for you to put back on. Say if say if you're playing two centre halves. Who are you starting then for that first game of the season? I think everyone's saying Bayer, aren't they? Bayer, yeah. yeah. So Bayer is Bayer's definitely one of them. Um, I think I think it's a little for grabs the other place. I think you could make a case for for Aldekiu. You can make a case for Ekdal, and you can make a case for Troche as well. I think maybe that's one that probably pre-season will will tell us a bit more yeah. about. I know Ekdal was probably a bit, I know he was injured running at the end of last season, so he was a bit unlucky to lose his place for that. Alder Kiel's looked really good whenever he's played, and, and two Belgium caps, like I say. And then, uh, you know, if you're O'Shea coming in, and like I say, probably you're looking to, to add that bit of physicality with him. So maybe that's that's the thinking and and, and playing from the start. And the Kuda, I wouldn't pretend to know what how good Kuda Bally is, to be honest. So it could easily be him as well, slotting in there. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see first game of the season who, who it is, but I think definitely Bayer and one of them. Um, and speaking of interesting to see who's, who's playing there, um, touched on it already. I, I just wanted to mention the goalies as well. Um, it doesn't look like Muric should be starting because we're being linked with yeah. so many other keepers. Um, is, is there any that 
that you know a bit more about? Any any that have caught your eye? Yeah, it's a really interesting one with Mewich. I think he got a lot better as the season went on, and obviously it was a key part, you know, an in, an integral part to what we did last year. But at the same time, I think because we was on the front foot a lot last year, it highlighted the qualities in his game, and it doesn't it does still make me it doesn't make me nervous with a ball that is followed the feet. But in terms of in the Premier League, you know, you want someone who can keep the ball out the net a little bit more, and that's almost. Mewich's weakness is almost his actual goalkeeping, isn't it, at, 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 at times? So it's one of them, if he's number one to start the season, I'm not going to be disappointed because it'll be entertaining at, at least to watch. But there was like signs, a little bit of fractions, wasn't there, between him and company at the end of last season? You felt Peacock Farrell came in for a few games, which I thought was weird. He took him off and there's rumours that, that he was ill or did he have a falling out and stuff. So... It does seem to be on the cards. It wouldn't surprise me if Newwich wasn't a Burnley player come the end of the transfer window. I don't think he'll be happy to sit on the bench. So we'll see on that one. Obviously, Verbruggen officially had signed for Brighton. And that's a bit of a kick in the teeth, that deal. It seemed like it could have been one that was done. And it, obviously, like it fell through last summer. And obviously, that was company's first choice. And then we went back to Newwich. Um, you know, I think it'll be a really good signing for Brighton. It'll be interesting to watch him next season. We've obviously been linked with Butez, I think it's his name, the French goalie from Antwerp. If he's anything like Bartes, then we've got to be careful. Uh, so, so we'll see on that. Um, obviously, he's got you know highly rated Tom from uh, from Belgium. So we'll see how he goes there. Um, and then obviously the one goalie I'd, I'd I really do like the look of is James Trafford. I think he's going to be an outstanding goalkeeper. I watched him. Uh, England under twenty ones played France a few months back. And um, I'd never heard of Trafford before, for being honest. And there was a good, both good teams like Elise was playing for France, and um, and obviously England had a lot of good players. And I just thought he looked really outstanding. And then I've watched him for England on the twenty ones of tournament. I don't know if you've watched any of the games, Tom. He looked really good, um, good with his feet. I think he'll go on and and you know and and play for England as well. So depending on on the cost, I think he'd be a really good signing. But is he ready to be a number one in the Premier League? That's a big. That's a big, big. Step up for him, isn't it? Coming from Bolton, obviously under twenty ones is is a lot different. Um, but it seems like he's maybe our main choice at the moment. I suppose if he's our main choice, is he coming as number two, and then does Mewich stay as number one? But just from what I'm looking at, it doesn't seem like Mewich is going to be number one, does it? To me, no, it doesn't, and I, I, it doesn't surprise me that much as well. I think I'm with you. I don't think they're necessarily hundred percent convinced by Mewich. I think we saw it in some games last season, especially when he was put under pressure that he did, mm. he did struggle. There was that game against Watford where he got subbed off at half-time and after the second yeah, was, like, was he ill or was he just rubbish? And, and, and a bit of a bust-up in the dressing room maybe or something, yeah. Yeah, uh, it did seem like something maybe changed at that point. So, yeah, it doesn't... I, I think... I feel the same as you. Probably if, if the first game of the season, Murich is in there, so I won't be too too worried by that. But it's obvious that they do want to replace him, I think, like you say, or he wouldn't be linked with so many keepers. So... And I've heard good things about Trafford. I know you got rave reviews at Bolton last season, but like you say, perhaps it is quite a big jump. If maybe if we're in the championship, it will make a bit more sense. But uh, mm. I'm glad we got a link from Barcelona as well. I think. We were yeah, I think he's he's an up again. Is he ready to start? It seems like maybe the ideal scenario and would possibly get Butes as number one on a lowish figure. We've been being 28 and a ready somebody who's a bit more experienced, ready to come in, and then Trafford as possibly that number two. Um, mm. You know who 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 can learn with our goalkeeping department. So, yeah, it's an interesting one, and it's definitely one to keep an eye on that development. 
And, you know, it's kind of, we've got positions like that all over the pitch, haven't we? And as you're looking at it now, is you know, the, the striker's another position where you kind of think, well, he's going to be leading the line this year. Um, so, could be your mate, Tom. Well, you team me up nicely there because that is something that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> Big Vance, of course. Uh, for some strange reason, Man United decided not to to take up mm. the offer of signing the man with with no league goals last season. Um, now, in terms of him leading the line, do you, what do you think? I've heard some people say that they think he might be a better fit playing company ball than he was playing dice ball. I think it would be harder to be a worse fit playing dice ball than he was. Um, we definitely saw that his back to goal game was probably. His Biggest strength. He you know, is good he... back to goal. You can't deny yeah. that. He is. He is good at linking the yeah. play. And obviously, with a company team, which sounds mad, and this is what Barnes did well. And I think something I questioned at the beginning of the season, and he proved me wrong. He said that he doesn't want need a twenty goal striker. And the mantra in the championship was, if you get a twenty odd goal striker, you go up. And I think, you know, company likes to play with somebody who can drop in the play. Um, so you know, maybe Weghorst would would suit us that way, but it's an interesting one with him. It's an interesting one. I there's a lot of Burnley fans who kind of and and, and I get it. They say his attitude stinks. Don't want him anywhere near the club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We don't fully know what went on. I personally maybe see stuff a little bit different. Obviously, you know I I love Burnley, but I'm not a romantic in football. You know, I've, I've, you know, I've worked at Burnley. You know, it, you know, in, in a capacity as a as a coach, and you know, for football clubs are ruthless entities. You know, and players have got to look after themselves. And I think Vegas, he had to do what he had to do to go to Besiktas, didn't he? Whether you agree with what he did or not, you know, he, he's got a. It was his last chance to go into a World Cup, and listen, he was fantastic in that game against Argentina. You can't deny he come on, and he, and, you know, he nearly got. You know, Holland through, didn't he? You know, he, he was brilliant and he got a great move to United. So, I, so like for me, I actually don't mind people like him. A lot of people, a lot of people don't like quite selfish individuals. And I, I don't see that as selfish. I just see it as an individual who wants to do the best for himself. Um, whether he goes about it the right way, that's up, that's up for the debate. And whether he's, say, like with pre existing members of the squad, like Roberts, Cart, Brownell, et cetera, is there too much damage done? But so I don't actually have any qualms about him bringing into the squad from that point of view. You know, the big boys, not everybody's going to like each other to play in a successful team. You know, you look at, I'm a massive cricket fan, you know, that a great Australian cricket team, not everybody liked each other. You know, one didn't like Ponting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And one was the main bowler, one was the captain. You don't, but the question is, Tom, is he good? Is he, the problem is he's actually not that good. So that that's where that's where I am with that. I'm not that bothered about all, all all that other stuff. I know a lot of Burnley fans like they really get riled up about it. I couldn't give two monkeys about all that. The other question is, is he actually good enough? But the issue is, Tom, we've not got a limited amount of money. Who else are we got? We're not going to get an amazing striker, are we? Because they cost 30, 40, 50 million. So that's you know, that's the thing, isn't it? And yeah. I know you probably wouldn't have him back, but I'm kind of like on the fence a little bit. Like the other stuff doesn't bother me, but it's his actual playing side of it. But in that company team where we will drop a little bit deeper and play players in, and you know, we obviously can press it, you know, it, you know, we press is okay. That's why United got him, you know, and there's two great managers in Ten Hag and Van Aal who thought he was a decent player. So, yeah. He went right there, was he? <laughs> I didn't. So he thought he was a decent player, but he wasn't uh, proved correct, I don't think, Ten Hag. Well, that's your, that's, yeah. But... 
that's the thing for me. I think I, I agree with you in terms of the attitude thing. I'm not that bothered. It's I, it wasn't great, and it, I think he did burn some bridges, but I wouldn't be that fussed in terms of that. I just don't think he's anywhere near good enough. Yeah, think, that's that, that's the issue in it. That's my issue. Yeah. So, you know, the end of that relegation. You know, the, the first his first game home to Watford I thought well, what have we signed here he looked, he looked a right donkey he had a few games where he did and like you say he's back to goal games decent he's got good touch but yeah and against United he set up a great goal didn't he for Jay with that Clive turn and yeah he did and you know, Brian was a lovely finish but when people talk about his pressing you think well, we might as well sign Ian Moore he used to run about like a, a dog chasing a balloon in the wind you know what I mean but he barely scored and that's the problem with Egos you know two goals for us he got, I think he got one in the League Cup and one in the Europa League. You know, he didn't get any Premier League goals. We, we'd be carrying him his dead weight. And I, I was thinking of what the company said when they asked him about Ronaldo that when he was doing punditry at the World Cup. He said, "No, we need players who can run." And like, is Vegas the player who can run? I don't think um, so. Probably not in the terms of a teller type of run. Do, do, do you get what I mean? We'll press intently, but I, I don't think he's going to be Ronaldo. It, one thing, one thing I will say against Webb Vegas when he played for Burnley, I'd have never said he'd give a lack of effort when I've seen him play. But like, I thought maybe there was a Watford game where he sulked a little bit where he got dropped. But listen, I, I, I don't want to be stereotypical, but a lot of Dutch players are like that. They've got that in them, haven't they? You know, they've got that little bit of a chip on the shoulder and you know and whatnot. And it's slightly different. You know, the different. It's just a different culture, isn't it? And you know. Like I said, you know, football can change so quickly. Look at Barnes after that Sunderland game. Tommy and you slagged him royally, didn't he? And listen, he, you know, he, he did a great, you know, he's, he's never, he, you know, your last two different Burnley fans are absolutely love him. I, I appreciate what Barnes did at the club, but for me, I'll never, he wasn't my cup of tea in a, in a style of player to watch. Neither was Wood. Um, I know that, that's a different topic. So, so my only question is, Tom, who do you get? Who, who do we get? For the money we've got, yeah, we could pull it, but that's the that's the issue, isn't it? If we can, I don't see the point in loaning him out again and hardly getting any money. If we get a ten million bid, which I don't think we're gonna get, but if we got a ten million bid, sell him and put back into the team. So my issue is, what do you do? Because it's hard to get it's hard to get strikers. That that is a concern for me, if I'm being honest. Next season is who is going to be our main striker? Um, we're gonna have to sign somebody, but. So, the you know, good, good, good strikers at that level demand big money, don't they? So that's going to be a challenge. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. Obviously, we've got links, so they obviously do want to sign someone to, to Trezor, like you say, Genk and um, and the Jordan. Know, we're thinking, eh? Yeah, it's obviously the lad from Mets who seems to be the number one target. But again, he you know he's coming from the Mets second league, so well and good doing it in that league. But then you've got to come and do it in the Prem, haven't you? It's a different, yeah. it's a different animal. Yeah, so but if they, if you know, you got to trust that com- if company wants to sign them, then they must be half decent. So, and we've got obviously as well, we've got Foster and, and Obafemi that come in in January last year, and you, you think they will have a bit more of a part to play at. You pull in a face that says, I'm not sure they're good enough to play in the Premier League. And and I think based on what we've seen so far, I agree with you, but maybe with the pre season behind them, and maybe and I don't want to judge, I don't want to judge Foster because I think I've watched quite a lot of Obafemi. Not a lot of him, but you've but you've seen his career map a little bit, and he's been in and out, hasn't he? And Foster's one that every now and again he's got a touch him, and he go, oh, okay, I can see it, 
but then 95% of the other time it was it was rubbish from his money. <laughs> but like I said, it's it's not easy when players come to different leagues. It takes time and the physicality. And it's interesting that he didn't go to South Africa uh, for those qualifiers. So Ernie stayed with us for that pre-season. I thought that was interesting. Obviously, he wants to get himself properly fit. So it's going to be interesting, isn't it, over the next month or so as we... I think if we do a, you know, each podcast we'll do, we'll 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 probably find another little piece of the jigsaws coming in, and we'll see how it's evolving. But I think one thing, Tom, I, I think Vegas will be back. He'll be, I, I tell you, I think he'll be, or I think he'll be in. I think he'll do a, a part of preseason with us. That's going to be my take. I think we'll see him in a Burnley shirt again, whether that's in a training top or a playing shirt. But yeah, I think we'll see him back. Interesting, interesting. Well, the next chance we'll get to see the lads wearing a Burnley shirt. They've announced the pre-season tour. Um, and I think, again, I think the last season there was only one or two games that fans could actually attend. And it's the same this year. I don't know how you feel generally about pre-season friendlies, Rich. I know a lot of people don't bother with them. Um, for, for me, it's a nice excuse just to get to some ground you wouldn't normally get to. And we have got a, a good one in that sense this year, playing at Genk, obviously, over mm. in Belgium. Did think that might be something that would come up, obviously, with all the connections we've got over there now. What What are you feeling about that? Are you, are you thinking about getting over? Is it Is it good for you? Uh, Do we play some more in front of crowds? Or Yeah, having an Irish wife, my summer trips include going over to Ireland. So I've got two trips over to Ireland, mate, um, in the summer. I'm also going on a stag do to Benidorm, which... Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I've not had a proper drink in ages, so we'll see how that goes. I think I might be... a. I don't think I'll be pressing much from the front uh, during that, but uh, <laughs> no, unfortunately, I would, I would, I would like to go, but yeah, my summer trips away kind of consist of you know going over to a cavern. Anyway, I'm still waiting for that. If anybody's listening, is there any cavern? Is there any people from cavern listening or any Burnley fans from cavern? Because um, I'm going to be uh, moving over to Ireland in the next year or so, so it'd be quite nice to link up. Um, but no, I won't be going. Unfortunately, Tommy, it would have been a lovely trip to Brussels, but. Um, Unfortunately not, but it, but it, but it's a great friendly to have. Um, I know you're going, Anya. You've you've booked your flights. You're going over. Yeah, I'll be going over. I'm looking forward to it. I went over to to Belgium uh, in January. I watched um Stephen DeFore's team. Um, Mech- so I know my way around. Mechelen, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so I know my way around a little bit from that. So yeah, I, I think it's really good. I, I I would like us to do a bit more of that. Really, you know, um, there's been talk about playing Helmond. Um, mm. doesn't look like it's going to happen this year but maybe in the future I think that would be really good I think it's a little bit of a shame that so much of the pre-season now is behind closed doors and yeah. they're not games you can get to just because I like like I said I just like to get out to some different grounds and a bit of variety but yeah it's um, even like the, the game that they played a Fleetwood against Friendly uh, Fleetwood against a Friendly against Fleetwood like I, I think they're doing work to turf more aren't they and, and whatnot but it would have been nice to even just go and see it like so um, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a, uh, a friendly at Turf Moor either, doesn't it? Which is, from what I can gather, which just seems a little bit of a shame. Um, mm. But, yeah, it is what it is. It's not something I'm going to lose any any sleep over necessarily. But, yeah, getting Genk would have been a, a, a great trip. But uh, Cavern will have to do me this summer. Uh, it's not a bad not a bad consolation. No, no, get a few Guinness in. Uh. Good stuff. Well, I think that's just about brought us to the end of what we want to talk about. We've caught, caught up on a few things there. There's still going to be a lot to talk about between uh, between now and the start of the season. I'm sure there'll be a lot more transfer speculation and hopefully a lot more signings. So I'm sure we'll check in with you again between then and now. 
Um, one one last thing just to remind you all of um, before we go is uh, Statman Dave's quiz. You'll have heard the podcast a few weeks ago where we gave you all the, the 20 questions. The deadline for that is coming up. It's this Friday. Um, so if you've not done so already, give that one a listen. Have a listen now to the questions. Send us in your answers for the 7th. And uh, and we'll see who's crowned the winner this year. Uh, have you had a go, Rich? No, I've not had a go, but it's on my... Um... Some to do list for this week, so we'll have a go. I'm not very good at dates and stuff like that, though, so I think uh, I might struggle with it to be honest. Yeah, I've uh, I'm about about three quarters of the way through, and there's a few tricky ones in there, but okay. hopefully, I'll find the answers be- before Friday. Yeah, Google's always good for that, so <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dave's uh, Dave's Twitter page has got a lot of interesting links on there as well for that kind of thing. Yeah, good stuff. So, yeah, check that one out. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to producer Matt for tying it together. Thank you very much to Natalie and George and Charlotte for guesting. Thank you very much to you, Rich, for joining me. Um, Cheers, Tom. It's been good, hasn't it? It's been good talking about the Clavets again, yeah, and and, yeah. and whatnot. And you start getting back into the spirit for the footy again. So yeah, absolutely. It's been such a long gap, you know, because the championship finished early and the Premier League yeah. starts late. So uh, yeah, been nice to get back chatting about it. So hopefully we'll speak to you all soon about it. Thank you very much. Take care and look after yourselves. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the Talk Sport Fan Network. Natalie Bromley is the host and editor, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Richard Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, Adam Dennett, and Robbie Kopak. Our music is provided by George Gaskill and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonadnever.substack.com. Our thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are as ever proud to be part of the TalkSport fan network. The TalkSport fan network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.